Welcome to The Jam Pat, an independent podcast inspired by the campaigns led by the WI. My name is Rosa, and in this episode I'm talking to Ivy from Sister Space. Sister Space works with black women and girls who've experienced abuse, or who have lost a loved one to domestic violence. It's often extremely hard to reach out for help if you've been abused. This is why it's so important that when you do reach out, you are met with the understanding, care and resources that you need. Currently, training for service providers doesn't have to include training about the needs of black women and girls, or about black culture. This can result in survivors not feeling comfortable enough to seek help, or being misunderstood or overlooked when they do. Sister Space is campaigning to make training about black women mandatory for those working to provide domestic abuse relief. This training would be enshrined in a law called Valerie's Law. Ivy and I began talking about who Valerie was, but before the interview starts, I want to say, for anyone who needs to know ahead of time, that this conversation does include touching on domestic abuse. We don't go into distressing details, and while Ivy and I care a lot, this is a calm conversation and one that I have to say I really enjoyed. Also, Ivy's fire alarm is a bit beepy. This is an episode that I really hope you will share. So, who was Valerie, and why do we need to know about her and her death? So, um, Valerie Ford and her daughter, as you all know, um, were murdered by her ex-partner, and what had happened was she had gone and made a report to the police about um, the ex-partner threatening to ban her and her children in, in her home, and the police put it down as threat to property rather than threat to life. And he ended up carrying out, you know, that threat, killing both Valerie and um, their baby daughter. And the setup of Sister Space came about when our CEO, Ingozi, um, went to the trial of Valerie's murder. And once um, it was all over and the perpetrator had been um, convicted, the realisation of Black women not really having anywhere to go um, or finding, you know, any kind of support became very apparent to her. And she decided to set up sister space where black women would have their own space where they could um, be fully supported, especially when they've gone through um, domestic abuse. What, what does it um, mean to have your own space? It's everything. I think when you say your own space, a lot of people don't tend to understand it or it doesn't resonate with them because a lot of people don't have their own space and we're talking about them not having their own space even in their own personal lives so there's always difficulties for black women in accessing um services or support be it housing be it benefits there's there's always that added difficulty for a black woman reporting abuse and so having a space where it's a reflection or the people who are offering that support and catering to your needs, you know, reflect who you are in terms of lifestyle, in terms of experience, in terms of similarities and journeys, culture, you know, traditions, how we grew up, but most importantly, women who look just like you. And that is, that in itself, again, is having your own space. So it's not physically, the building in terms of where you have space but it is the support that is given to you and having people understand you in ways that you know others would would not understand what you're going through 
And so that is very, very important. Um, when we have women coming to us, they always say that they feel a way that no one has made them feel in terms of that sense of belonging and having a space. That's so powerful because it's that sense of belonging that enables people to talk. Yeah. If, if you feel alienated, you can't speak. If we have a huge problem of women reporting abuse because they don't feel that they are understood. They don't feel that they are believed. They don't feel that their experiences are validated. And so it makes it very difficult for any one of us being a black woman, obviously, we who offer the support know the importance of reporting to the police and, you know, making sure that your story is heard by the authorities. But again, when you come down to somebody who has never had the support from the system, how do you kind of convince them that it is the right thing to do when even when they come out to tell their story and it's so hard for them to, they are not able to get the support so again black women do not report they don't share their stories they don't try to access services because that understanding of it's not for me they don't understand me they won't help me you know I'll just be another one who hasn't been helped it's so apparent in almost every mainstream organization it's saddening because women are losing their lives through not being able to access services. And again, like I said, not having a space or not feeling like you belong is a major contributing factor to women having to go through that experience. Is this something that Black women can talk to each other about? Is that something in your experience? Are these conversations things that happen in friendship groups or in families? Most definitely. I mean, I could... I might say something that would be familiar to myself and another black woman and you wouldn't understand it. And I might say it and I don't have to explain to her what it is that I mean. And when it comes to talking about, for example, threat. So in our language, we, we speak in specific ways and we, we say certain things and it's very particular. So I could say to you that, you know what he said to me, you'll see. And what, what does that mean to you? Like if I say, you'll see, you know, you say, yeah, he said, you'll see. So imagine me going to the police and saying, well, he said to me, you'll see. And they'll be like, yeah, but he's saying, you'll see. Whereas in our community, somebody saying to you, you'll see is danger. It means that wait till I catch you, you are done. You know, so it, it's it's even in the language. And you, you find that a lot where, we don't necessarily have to explain ourselves so much, even if they don't have a connection to Africa or they don't have a connection to the Caribbean. The similarities in the culture itself, it's, it's so interwoven that we understand exactly what is being said and we understand exactly what it means. And there's no disparity in terms of what the dangers are. We can have any Black woman come in and say something and we know exactly what they're saying. Yeah, and, and white people in the police or in um, other women's organisations, they just, it would go over their heads. It would, it would. And I think that is the, the important thing in terms of mentioning Valerie's Law. And that is what Valerie's Law is, is there for. That is the reason why we are fighting so hard for it. Because we are saying, 
just understanding the basics is very important. Even the basics in terms of our needs, in terms of necessity. So things for our skin, our hair, the food we eat, the language, you know, certain things that are very common to every black woman that would kind of prevent black women from reporting abuse. We believe that it's important and it should be mandatory that they have that training of the basic understanding of what the needs of black women are. Um, and so we're fighting really hard for Valerie's law because once that is put in place, then it's a wider scope in terms of us putting, you know, the understanding of a black woman out there and saying you think you know but you don't know and that is what it is you know a lot of yeah. people need to think well why do you need to have your own space we need to have our own space because again like every other culture like you know every other race we are different and we've had to tag along with everybody else, whereas we are not seen as our own group on its own. So it's almost like when it comes to a black woman, we are the lowest of the chain. A black man is, again, low in the chain, but imagine a black man being low in the chain, where would a black woman be? So that consideration isn't put there at all. And Valerie's law is fighting so hard to make sure that, you know, basic training is mandatory just for mainstream organizations that would include housing, the police, GPs, like certain things you shouldn't say to a black woman, things you wouldn't say to a white woman. It's the same way you wouldn't say certain things to a black woman, but we get that all the time. And it's this understanding of a black woman is always strong. Oh, you shouldn't cry, you know, oh, but you know, when they we have women who have gone to report abuse and they are asked, well, a strong woman like you, like, really, did he really do that? You know, are you sure he, he did that? Or where are your bruises? Where are your scars? And not everybody scars. And especially with our skin, we sometimes hardly scar or bruise. So it makes it very, very difficult. And we're looking forward to Valerie's Law coming into play because that would be a lifeline for a lot of women. So where is Valerie's Law at the moment? We are looking to reach the um, 100,000 mark in terms of um, the petition, just so it'll be set in law. And we're working on that up until, I believe, the end of October. We're still putting the word out there and we're asking everybody to sign the petition so we can, we can have that law passed, which would really go um, very well. So I'm not too much into um, the social media side of things in terms of what the numbers are, but I know the numbers are growing and we're hoping that, you know, it, it, it keeps growing and more people will hear about it on their platforms and be interested enough to even ask, you know, what is Valerie's Law? What is it? What, what does it entail? Even just getting the answer of what Valerie's Law alone is would, you know, propel people to sign the petition and, and help us to be able to get this through. So Valerie's law is quite basic information about black women and their culture so that people you want help can help. Yes, basic training for, you know, mainstream services and anybody else who would be dealing with black women who have been through abuse to know, you know, what the basic what the basic needs of a black woman is. And we're not saying the basic needs are different from anybody else, but we're saying even our basic needs are not out there. People don't know. 
what it is that we need and, and how we need to be supported. Just as you mentioned earlier, Africa is a huge continent. And again, in the Caribbean, even though you would, you would have small islands, that in itself, when you put it together, is huge on its own. And so you're having women from different cultures, women, you know, from different backgrounds, different journeys in terms of experiences, you know, some have experienced war, some have experienced, you know, having to escape their countries for whatever reason, some have come here for a better life, everybody's experience is different. And so just knowing, knowing how to even just support a black woman is very, very important. And we want to fight very hard for Valerie's law. It's really important, I think, to get that specific when you help people. Um, so on, on that note, like, what do you think about the term BAME? We don't subscribe to them. <laughs> we don't subscribe to them at all. And um, I think sometimes when when you hear it and we say we don't subscribe to them, it almost sounds pompous. And that is in the case. So what we are saying is we are Black. That is ours. We are sister space. We say we are Black and nothing else. So when you talk about being, you're talking about anybody else who isn't white. But anybody else who isn't white, apart from black people, are not black. So that description of, you know, being makes it minimizes again what our experiences would be, again, who we are, what our needs are, because it will be mixed with Asian, it will be mixed with everybody else who isn't who isn't black. And that doesn't fit the specification of understanding the needs of a black woman. So we don't subscribe to being, we are not being, we're black women. And that's where it's, it, it, you know, that's where it ends. And that's just what it is for us. So it's not anything to be, you know, sounding pompous about like, oh no, we, we don't subscribe to being because we don't feel that we're a part of anybody else, but we're saying, yes, this is who we are. And that again, is being taken away from us. It's name calling. The same way we would say, you know what, victim blaming is this, this is, this is name calling and it's, somebody has put it out there okay black and you know minority ethnic groups why does that have to fit to everybody else but white yeah and there's no individual that is there isn't no there isn't there is it makes it makes it difficult again to cater services to specific groups and that comes so far to go as sometimes when you you you're even looking for Funding for specific things for Black people, you we would, you know, hear sometimes it's, we're already doing that, you know, because we're giving to the BAME group. But again, there is always kind of an omission of Black people, even within the BAME community. Black people are not considered, even within that community that, you know, upholds Black. And so when you hear it, the first instance and the first thing you think is Black people, but the reality of it is it's not just Black people. And sometimes it's not Black people at all. Um, and so we make sure that the understanding of the word as to who we are in terms of our identity is very clear. We don't subscribe to being we are Black and that's what it is. Right. I think that is very important. You need to know who you are talking about and also because no individual 
is BAME. <laughs> they can't talk to you either. So. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, we are always voting for. So when you talk about groups, for example, the Jewish community, I can't go and speak for the Jewish community. When you talk about the Asian community, I can't speak for the Asian community. When you talk about the Latin community, I can't speak for the Latin community. But what you find is when it comes to black women, we are then kind of distributed in all of these communities who then speak for us and they speak for us as if they understand us or they know us. And it's one of the most difficult things to take because we are all lumped into one group and everybody else can speak for us, but we cannot speak for ourselves. Neither can we speak for any other group. So why do we then have you know that lumping together? It doesn't help us in any way. It doesn't benefit us in any way. So it's 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 really hard there's no personalization there's no specifics in terms of knowing where the services need to go it's just thrown in a, a, a group of so many different diverse people and it they will then say to you oh it's going specifically to one group it's not and that isn't true it's so diluted very very what is sister space like when when you walk into the building <laughs> your face is like honestly <laughs> you know I don't know I don't I want to find the right word to explain it. I think it's home and this is not even an exaggeration of the word sister space is home I could go into the office and you see it's not even about the space it's about the people who make up sister space we are more like family than we are as colleagues. I don't sit there thinking, oh, I can't wait for the data and, you know, just so I go. Because <laughs> I know I'm there with family. And if you ever got the chance to come to Sister Space, I think I'll be having that discussion with you again and I'll be asking you, how did you feel? It's not your normal office. It's a home. You come in and it's warm and it's nice and we get our work done, but we get our work done in our own way. We don't do you know, your normal office and everything is just the way that it has to be. We talk the way we talk, like we normally, we, you know, we, we are ourselves. And when you come there, that is the feeling you get. And we, we say it straight away, make yourself feel at home. Just relax and be yourself. We believe in being yourself and being authentically you. And there are certain environments you can't do that. One place you can be authentically yourself is being at home and being with, you know, people who make you feel at home. And that is what you get with Sister Space. I, I couldn't even put in words exactly what it's like because it's, it doesn't feel like going into work. It's like going in to another home <laughs> that, that you've got, you know, with, with people who are your family and Sister Space is family. Sister Space is a small family, but a huge family at the same time for, you know, ourselves as our staff, volunteers, interns, and even with the, our service users, the women who come to us. And that is one thing that we really, we're really, really proud of, the fact that we are more a family unit than just an organisation. Tell me about that idea of um, sisterhood and 
being a family. Do you feel that with um, white women as well, that there is a sisterhood? I would say there, I, I, I would say there could be. The thing is, for me personally, I couldn't speak for anybody else. I think what I would say for my personal experience is you would find white women who are more than willing to learn and who are more than willing to know and understand what the life of a black woman is like and they are very respectful and they would love you and they, they, they want to help you in terms of what needs to be done but there is so much that goes to you know white and black in terms of going all the way back to our history that there would always 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 be somehow a barrier that sometimes doesn't need to be there and so for me when it comes to sisterhood I believe in us all being a sisterhood I don't believe in you know just being a sisterhood with my black sisters or you know with my black family I believe in being a sisterhood with everybody however that is difficult to do when there isn't equality and it's a huge thing we can talk about sisterhood all day and we can talk about you know finding being sisters you know fight fighting the same thing in regards to domestic abuse but the minute there is no equality there is no sisterhood and that even goes with our own community or even with our own you know biological families when you don't feel right or you feel a certain type of way in your family it, it changes the dynamics and it comes down to every other thing to do with sisterhood or to do with, you know, people coming together as a group. Unity is very important. But like I said, if there is more importance put on one group than another, then there's no point for that unity because one person would never feel the way that they're supposed to be feeling in that group. And so... There's, there, there is a lot of work to be done, <laughs> a lot of work to be done in the pipelines and yeah, a, a lot of learning um, to go on for, I think, that to fully be achieved. When do you feel equal with someone? Yeah, I think when you find someone who is ready to listen, that is one of the most important things. They're ready to listen and they're ready to, you know, there's that enthusiasm to learn about what you're saying and who you are and what your experiences are and, and how it made you feel. And you can tell when there is like kind of a level footing. Like I said, there will never be a complete level, but you can tell when there is a close up to a level footing, when you're talking to somebody and they're interested enough by the questions that they are asking you, you know, by how they, they, they talk to you, by how they respond to the things that you say. Whereas you might say something that makes them uncomfortable, but they don't then make you uncomfortable because you've said it. They are they understand what position you are in and the reasons why you said what you said. Therefore, there is more of you know that open-mindedness to learn more about you. So there isn't any time that you would feel an equal footing. However, you would find that there there is something that would always connect you or bind you to that person because you can tell for yourself how they're relating to you and how they they are accepting you there's 
that receptiveness I think is really important um and I was going to ask you about Black Lives Matter in a bit but I noticed um like on my own social media um friends um quite keen to put their opinion across Mm. rather than listen um and I think um you, you know it's opening up that curiosity isn't it so if you're just repeating different mantras you're actually still not listening no no you're not you're not and and again it's a learned thing that is what society is in social media plays a big part when it comes to media in itself you know sometimes it's not that people don't want to think for themselves there are people who haven't had an an experience with you know another culture or another tradition they don't know and so again they would take what is put out there and they will run with it and it's even more dangerous when what is put out there isn't accurate information and you know that is put out there by somebody again who doesn't know anything about the culture or the traditions that they or or the people the experiences and the journeys that you're talking about and so you would have people go onto social media pick that up and run with it and then it gets you know shared so many times and other people see it as well so it's just a cycle it's just a cycle you just keep going you know round and round and round and round with the same thing and it's so big and fast in itself that when the people who are in it are saying well that isn't the right thing then it almost seems as if you know they are wrong in terms of what they're saying, but social media plays a huge part in experiences of, uh, you know, a lot of Black women's lives in terms of things that have been put out there and how things are put out there. Tell me about that. What role does social media play? Well, I will give an example and um, it might seem a bit jarring. So we know of the Sarah Everard case. Now, we also know of other cases where Black women have died. And an example of that would be um, Biba and Nicole. And when Sarah Sarah died, obviously, we're all thinking, oh, no, you know, we hope she's okay. Um, We hope nothing has happened. Because number one, she's a woman before she's any other colour. She's human first, she's woman second before she's any other color. And that in itself doesn't mean anything. Life is life. And so that feeling of, you know, we are hoping she's okay. And, you know, when the visual was held for her, Sister Space went and represented and our CEO Ngozi spoke because it was such a, a, a difficult thing at the time to, you know, think of this could have been my sister walking in that park it could have been my child it could have been my mother it could have been my auntie that resonated with everybody now when it comes to the death of Biba and Nicole they died also in the most horrific way but the difference with Biba and Nicole was the story wasn't even that heard it was on the news but it wasn't at the same level as Sarah. Also, the police felt it appropriate to take selfies with their dead bodies. Again, the question is, would that have happened with Sarah? And if it did, would that have been acceptable? And would they have gotten kind of the same punishment that they got 
for Nicole and Biba. And look how long it's taking before their case has even had to go to court for a conviction to even take place. And we're, I'm only comparing the two because, again, we're talking about social media. It's always blown up. And we're not, we're not minimizing um, Sarah's death in any way at all. Neither are we minimizing any other white, you know, any other culture's death. But what I'm saying is when the actions are taken, the responses have to be the same. You can't have one response for one person and then have a completely different response for another. When the court and when the case went to court, not a lot of people even knew that Biba and Nicole's case was being heard in court. People didn't really know about it. And people still don't even know about it now. We keep talking about it just so people know. And it's, it's still in their minds that this also happened to, you know, these two sisters who were in the park and hadn't done anything to anybody and somebody just took their lives. And so with social media and with the media in general, there is always kind of a distinction when it comes to Black people. It, there's always a negative connotation or there is more or less no importance or coverage put on there. And it, it's it's really um, disheartening for the Black community because, again, we more or less know what is going to come out in the news even before it comes out. When it comes to us, we all be, you already know, it's going to be the generic, oh, yeah, there you go, a Black person, you know? And it's always like when it's not something negative, then there is that painting of Black people and when it is, you know, other things that also need to be pushed to help Black people be identified or to be seen as who they are, even though it might be mentioned, but then it's not really blown up the way that it needs to be. So social media plays a huge, huge, huge part in the experiences of a Black woman, plays a huge part in the experiences of women in general, but most especially Black women. Yeah, when you're talking and um, well, when you're talking and you talk about Sarah Everard and there's this kind of I, I notice that you ca- you have to do this kind of um, almost apology in a way like you're yeah. not you're not saying that um, like her case was uh, less important and so on like how much energy does that take out of you? It's almost like you have to um, justify like for your cause to be allowed that you have to acknowledge and show your sympathy and then you can talk it takes a lot it takes a lot I think and the reason why it takes a lot is because Sarah is gone and that is the bottom line so talking about it will never be easy where you can just come out and say what you want to say without acknowledging the fact that she lost her life and that is the crux of it nothing else but there, again, like you're saying, there is almost like this apology for me to then say, you know what, I really want to say this, but I'm not saying it's this. And that is the life of a Black woman. You have to more or less apologize for everything and be apologetic, even when you are right. You have to apologize for being right. 
and that is the story of our life so it's i'm really happy that you were able to pick up on it because for me personally when i'm going to talk about it i am still aware of the fact that a woman lost her life but sometimes it almost seems to say because i'm comparing the two I am not putting any importance on the death of Sarah. And so I have to then go on to elaborate more and say, I'm not saying that, you know, her death wasn't important, but then it then goes on to minimize my explanation of Nicole and Bieber, because then I can't stand up properly and say it with my chest the way that I want to say it. And this is one of the things that we have difficulty with without anybody feeling, what are you trying to say that, you know, one person's death isn't, but that is exactly what I'm saying. You have put a a distinction there where it says that one life is more important than the other. But however, for me to speak my truth, I have to apologize to you before I'm able to speak my truth. And it's a very hard thing to do. It's very tiring. We have people coming to us wanting to speak to us. And we have been going on social media and we mention Nicole, we mention Bieber, we mention Precious, we mention other Black women who have gone through domestic abuse and have died and have lost their life. Nobody comes and asks us anything about those women that we have gone out and mentioned and women that we are trying to make sure they are remembered. We always get asked about Sarah. And we find that it's very unfair because, again, yes, Sarah is a woman, like I said, before she is anything else. However, what happens to all the other women, and especially Black women who have lost their lives? We stand for Black women. We can't speak for anybody else. We are learning and we are making sure now that we speak for ourselves. But when we have to answer questions, we are not being asked questions about our own. We are asked questions in terms of how we are feeling about somebody else. And so, like I said, I'm really happy that you picked that up because then it's almost like, okay, I'm going to speak for somebody else and I'm not saying she's not important, but can I mention mine as well? You know? Yeah, well, I, I actually recognise it from um, the disability community, which is uh, where I'm from. And um, okay. you... Uh, when when you get chronically ill or, or disabled you realize at some point that you have to suffer in a socially appropriate way and you must not suffer in a way that makes able-bodied people feel bad feel a certain way yes yeah and there's yeah. always this kind of uh, there's a lot of stress I think put on disabled people where if you try and explain what's going on with you, you have to do it in a way that the other person doesn't feel bad or feel awkward because then that can lead to them resenting you. And if they say something ignorant, you then have to reassure them that, okay, don't feel bad about that. I I completely agree. You know, being able to pick that up, not everybody is able to see that. So I could have spoken to somebody else and it would have just gone over their head in terms of the fact that in that conversation alone, talking about Sarah, Biba and Nicole, I may have apologized in 10 different ways without people actually realizing that I apologized different ways she go yeah, I, mean, I, I see and I see what I, it, it, it makes it it makes it so hard to to fully talk 
and say what it is that you want to say. Because if I have to apologize to speak my truth, am I really speaking my truth? Is the question. If you're asking me a question and you're saying to me, I really want to know what it is that you're thinking about this. And I have to apologize to you first. Then there is no way that anything that I've said following that is going to fully be the truth. It might be the truth, but it will be the long-winded truth. It would not be the straightforward, this is what I think and this is what I stand for. Because again, quality you mentioned earlier. It is, it is, because I would be sitting back and as I'm, I'm speaking to you now, in the back of my mind, I'll be thinking, is anyone thinking I'm saying Sarah isn't important? <laughs> and, and, and that is what it comes down to. But the reality of it is, that is not what I'm saying at all. I am picking up a medium that has created this vacuum that we are all in. And I am talking about that medium, but I cannot talk about that medium in a way without minimizing something. And that means that I would have to minimize my own just so the comparison that I'm using is it's not looked at as if I'm looking down on that comparison. So it, 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 it makes, just as she said, the life of Black women really, really hard because you're always, it's, it's almost like, I don't know if that would be the right example or the right word or term to use. It's almost like more or less still being a slave, but a modern one. Yeah, because she you always have to you always have to think it you you that there's this code switching you always have to make sure that you are making the next person feel comfortable just so you're you're more accepted in terms of the way that you speak or what you say and how you're saying it and that is a very very stressful way to live and I agree with you it's really hard so thank you for picking that up because I don't think we would have been speaking about it otherwise (laughs) yeah no that's a real connection and it's why I recognize like you need people at sister space where you're not an outsider like you're you're Mm -hmm. you're embraced by people who are like you and you're put at the center and with no apology needed none at all Rosa I'm telling you you know what you need to and and I'm extending an invitation to you you need to visit (laughs) sister space because I think sometimes when we say it because I'm I'm not even able to put it in words to you properly because of how much it feels like home I, I can't home is different to everybody and so when I use the word home and I you know it's a place that you find peace because it's subjective somebody might be thinking about it in one way another person will be thinking about it in another way for me the most important thing is come and see oops sorry come and see for yourself and just have that feel of exactly what sister space is and that's what we tell everybody we'll invite you over we'll say you know what come and see who we are Come and see us as people, not what you only what you hear on social media, not what you think we are, not who you know you think we are portraying ourselves to be. Just come to Sister Space and see us in you know more or less our natural habitat. When you think about it, and I would extend that invitation to you, and then I will ask you again after, what do you think about Sister Space? And then you can answer me because it is home. We have women come and we say to them, listen, say it the way it is. Don't worry if anybody is offended. That is your journey. That is your truth. You should be able to speak freely. So that is the only space that I currently would say that we have outside of your own home where you can go and speak freely without having to apologize to anybody or thinking, "Mm, how are they feeling about it? We may not always agree with what people say, but we understand that is what their opinions are. And if they are wrong, 
we also have the opportunity to say what you think you know you don't actually know this is what it is here are the facts and that is how it should be so sister space is a great place sister space is is it's a bomb it's a it's a beautiful place to be and i'm going i i can't say i'll stand by a lot of things but when it comes to sister space i can fully hand on heart say that we are we are not the norm not the norm at all you would find different different women and it's the only only fully black led organization it's fully black led it's by and for black women that's so remarkable it's honestly like looking at me now i don't have hair <laughs> not because i can't grow it's just because i I don't know what to do with it. So I don't have hair. And you would come in and, you know, you would have other sisters who have locks. You know, we've, we've got different, different, different people and different women, different cultures, different backgrounds that come. So you wouldn't find one specification of a Black woman. We are all Black women. And it's it's a beautiful place to be. Going back to the work that Sister Space does, can you tell me... Um the difference between abuse and violence because I think people are quite used to talking about domestic violence and there's this important move um, to talking about abuse yes okay so the the difference is so domestic abuse is made up of different forms of abuse so you would have mental abuse you would have psychological you would have physical sexual financial you would have gaslighting harassment coercion and control you know um economic abuse it so the domestic abuse itself is made up of all the other abuses and that is domestic abuse however when it comes to domestic violence so that is then violence that is impacted on another person where they are hurt or they are injured um, in one way or another so more your physical abuse your sexual you know your sexual abuse things more to do with the physical person um, and I understand what you mean we use the terms most of the time people use the terms loosely because they do not understand it. So it's very important to have that difference and that distinction between the two. And so we use domestic abuse now because then that, you know, kind of covers everything in terms of what you would have under abuse and more than domestic violence. And I think most of the time people tend to think, even when you talk about domestic abuse, they think it's more physical. So, you know, it's more, or oh, did he hit you? It's, it's more that physical contact kind of abuse that people think of as being any form of abuse or any form of violence. Um, but there's so much more, like I've mentioned before, that goes with it in terms of domestic abuse. And, and again, financial abuse, that is something that people didn't really think about. Um, even with rape, the specifications of rape, when, okay, I'm married, so is it rape? You know, I'm going out with the person, is it rape? Consent, people don't even understand that. So there is so much more that comes with domestic abuse and domestic violence, it's more of a specification. Is it harder to go to the police? Because I'm, I'm thinking that there, might, there must be more concern if you are a black woman, especially if you're in a relationship with a black man, 
you might be worried that he won't be treat, treated fairly, um, even if he has wronged you. Most definitely. I think what we need to understand is people get into relationships because of love. That is one of the like the main factors. A woman would be in a relationship with a man because she loves him. So when that abuse starts to happen, number one, she may not want to report because she still has love for him. She just wants the abuse to stop, but she doesn't want him to go to prison. Neither does she want him to die. Now we know the way black men are treated by the system. So that again is a heavy weight on a black woman's shoulder because she has to think if I go and I report him and he goes into prison or you know the, the police arrest him, what is going to happen to him after that? That again falls on our shoulder to think about. Now we are also thinking about our own communities. We come from a community and our background telling us that whatever happens in your home needs to stay in your home nobody else needs to know about it the only people you need to go and tell are maybe your immediate family or if you go to church then maybe your pastor or something and they would all tell you the same thing stay in it oh don't worry you know make him something he will be okay why don't you do this so the honors always falls on the woman to be the one to make sure that his bad behavior doesn't continue it's never laid at the feet of the black man but like you said that worry of what would happen to the black man is a heavy burden on a black woman. When you're going to report sometimes, and you know, it's even stigmatization from, from the community, you've gone and you've reported him, they will shun you in certain communities because why have you done that to the black man? The man is the head of the family. How can you go and put him in that position? And so we, we, we've more or less got all the cards against us. No matter which card we choose to play, somehow it still goes against us because you will still need the support of family. You still need the support of the community. You still need the support of, you know, these church, you know, the churches and things that stand up and say, you know what, they are also a part of the community. But sometimes they are the first people who will turn away from you when they know you're going through abuse and you want to report it. So that is that is a heavy, a heavy, heavy, heavy burden. And it's a heavy weight on a black woman's shoulder in terms of what will or what might happen to a black man. Yeah, often in feminist circles or, you know, women's rights campaigning, when we talk about um, the law and um, getting prosecutions, it's the focus is on making sure it happens, where, whereas actually there needs to be reassurance that it will happen fairly and non-violently because otherwise women won't come forward. So you can't just push for punishment. You have no, to. No, no. Um, I, you see, there's, there's two things, I think, when it comes to reporting abuse and the results after you've reported abuse. So it could be one thing or another. It could be you go and report the abuse and then he's taken away and then now you're worried about what is going to happen to him after. You don't know. And and then you start feeling a certain type of way. So the report that you've made, you go and withdraw it. He comes out, he does the same thing to you again. You move in with him and then it becomes a cycle. And then there, there is also you would go and report and, and, and there's, there's nothing, there's no report at all. There's, there's no result, there is nothing. 
and then you then become part of statistics of people who reported. However, there is no conviction. There is no peace for you to the point where, you know, women have gone to the police, they've reported the abuse, not only to the police, they've mentioned it to their GPs, they've mentioned it to housing, if they are, you know, trying to um, get away and, and, and they're looking for refuges and stuff. And because there has been nothing done, they've ended up losing their lives. And so you realize that it's two ends of a spectrum where it's either you report it and then have to deal with what might happen to the person, or you report it and nothing at all is done. And you find a lot of women stood in the middle who have chosen, I'm not going to report any, anything at all. And we have statistics out there. So I was doing research recently um, for a course that I was on. And I was looking for statistics of black women who had actually reported any form of abuse at all to the police. Now, I did this research for a very long time, just looking and scrolling and reading and searching online. And I couldn't find anything, anything at all in terms of statistics for Black women reporting abuse in the UK. Nothing not, at all. Not a single one. I could not find it. And anything I would find, it was being anything I would find, it was being, there was no specification for a black woman. However, I ended up finding one research, but that was from the United States. And I thought, you know, this is very interesting. Not even in our own country can we have an accurate, accurate, accurate um, statistics for black women reporting abuse because they don't. So whatever you find on there that they say, you know, this is the statistics for Black women. It's not accurate because we don't report. You're invisible. And, no, no one can see what you're going through. Not at all. And again, it means that all the statistics that we've got out there somehow are not accurate because, again, there are women going through the abuse. They are not reporting. And there isn't any statistics to show the women who are not reporting because you would never get the accurate number if they are sat in their homes, not telling you what is going on. And that only comes about because they may have come to report so many times and there's been nothing done. They are still in the same positions that they were in or maybe even worse. And so we are looking at all of these factors and we are putting all of them together and realizing that, you know, there's more or less almost no safe ground for a black woman you know, to find exactly where we stand or where we belong. And when it comes to intimate partner relationships in terms of abuse, it's even more difficult. If you have a child with the person, that is another hurdle. You know, if if you're married to the person and you come from like a very culturally strong background where no matter what happens, you, you feel that you have to stay with your husband, even though that isn't the right thing to do. But then that is what your culture, your African tells you you need to do. They are all factors that make it difficult in terms of reporting, but also somehow makes the, the, the needs of the woman in terms of how to support her really complex. It's not just straightforward. 
you know so that all of these things need to be put together it needs to be thought about um in you need to find out what is her journey you know why is she behaving the way that she's you you, you need to know all of these things but then it's almost like there's a framework that needs to be followed and that is like okay number one I need to do this it's done tick number two I need to do that and it's just boxes are being ticked but the services are not being provided the support is not being given so yeah and that places back to Valerie's law it does so um is is there anything I know you have to go soon but um like how how can we support sister space and getting specific research done and specifically supporting black women in our communities so um we've got the valerie's law on our sister space website and that is www.sisterspace.org when you go on there we've got the valerie's law petition on there and anybody who goes onto that website will be able to sign on to it and we also um put them out on social media so that would be our twitter and instagram and and we've got the valerie slow out there as well where people can sign the petition and please 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 just sign the petition for us so we would be able to do this to you know enable us to help a lot of black women who are sitting and suffering in silence not because they want to but because they don't have a choice that is the only way right now that they can survive by being silent. Um, because if they come out and they say anything, they are not being heard. And then they've put themselves out there where they are not getting the support. And we want to make sure that mainstream organizations just have the basic training of, you know, the needs of a black woman and how to support a black woman. So if everybody can just sign the petition for us, we would be so grateful and this isn't just coming from myself but you know even the silent black women would be very very grateful for the fact that other women are standing for them as well and when we go back to talking about unity this is one of the ways that you can help a black woman who is going through domestic abuse by signing um, the petition for Valerie's law put put your name down and uh yeah on, on the yeah. side on the side of the sisterhood <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely but it's it's been it's been a very interesting discussion I must say it I've, I've enjoyed it thoroughly <laughs> yeah I've really enjoyed it it's too I'd love really to talk nice. to you again yes it's anytime at all we could definitely there's so much more to talk about and um, so many um areas that we haven't been able to cover and if I mean, I have to come back to do that. I'm more than happy to do that again. So it, yeah, I appreciate, no, I appreciate that. That the time. Fantastic. I appreciate the time. But yes, thank you so much for having us on your platform and um, for me to be able to talk about who we are and you know what our difficulties are <clears throat> and what we could get help with. And it it's been it's going to be very, very powerful and very helpful. Um to not just black women but I think all women um, because we're all fighting for the same thing when it comes to domestic abuse at the end of the day we're all fighting to be safe and we're all fighting to you know feel like ourselves and be ourselves so thank you for the opportunity well thank you so much for your time I, I hope um, sister space um, pops up around the country because it's so needed it is. So currently we are pan London, but we also 
are now UK wide. So we oh, have yeah. we have service users outside of the UK who you know reach out to us and and who tell us what is going on and if we can support in any way or you know even if it's not just advocacy but giving advice and and helping with you know the emotional support we do that as well so yes please um reach out to sister space if there is any issue store please go to info at sisterspace.org and put all your queries through and it will come straight to us and myself or one of my colleagues will pick it up and we'll be in touch and we're there to support and whenever the you know support is needed so thank you thank you very much Rosa oh thank you so much uh, I'll stop the recording there um where is the recording button oh I'll do that at the end <laughs> Last week, there was an exciting update on Valerie's Law. Over 100,000 people signed Sister Space's petition, and now Valerie's Law will be debated in Parliament. It has a real chance at becoming a reality. Here is what it sounded like at the Sister Space headquarters when the petition hit that all-important 100,000 signature. touch with sister space and keep you posted on what you can do to keep them this happy valerie's law needs public support for it to happen please spread the word about it you can do that by sharing this podcast and my upcoming blog posts about it find me on twitter or facebook by searching for the jam-packed pod or by going to thejampackedpod.com and that is packed spelt p-a-c-t thank you for listening and i'll talk to you next time